In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order that we might be able to invest what He has given us in His Son. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't like gambling. That's not a theological statement. It's a personal statement. Uh, Gambling for me is sort of a gray area theologically. It's sort of like smoking. It's like, it's probably not good for you, but I don't see it really as kind of being a black and white sin thing that I can say, absolutely, you have to not do that ever. That's kind of how gambling is for me. I, I know that, um, you know, while I can't necessarily say that's very clearly a sin, it can get there really quickly because it can become an idol for you very quickly. And that's kind of how I feel about gambling as well, is that, um, uh, that uh, you know, while I can't necessarily say right off the bat, okay, that's always going to be a sin, I definitely can see it get there really quick for a lot of people. And I am never going to be that person. Because I hate gambling. I found that out when, uh, actually here in Florida, not here, but down in St. Pete, Florida. Um, it, it was way back when um, I was uh, going to school in Nebraska, and I happened to be dating a girl from Florida, and it was spring break, and I said, uh, and, and we decided that, that I was going to come down and see St. Pete, and one of the things that she took me to go see in St. Pete was this cruise ship. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome, like Florida on the water, perfect. And this cruise ship, we get in there, and and they take you on this little trip, and they get so far out until you're in international waters. And once you're in international waters, all of the sudden, like it's a speakeasy, all of this gambling apparatus comes out of the woodwork. I mean, stuff is literally flipping out of tables. There is just... All of a sudden, there are slot machines that I have no idea where they came from, and they're all there. And they go, hey, you get a $20 credit to start gambling with. And I was like, okay. So I've got 20 bucks, And it's a $20 credit. I can't use it for anything but gambling. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I already hate this. <laughs> Because there's something in me that goes, this is money. And I guess it was the way that my parents raised me, but I was like, money is for spending or saving. And this is neither of those. (laughs) This is like risking it, stupidly hoping that I am going to somehow win when this $20 credit has been paid for by all of the suckers who at the end of the night are going to be giving their $20 bills to the gambling boat. And so I tried it. It felt awkward. It felt terrible. And I lost my 20 bucks. And I was like, thank goodness that's over. I just want to go out and look at the ocean. And so you already understand where I come from in terms of that kind of risk. I don't really like it. But risk is really written large all over the readings that we have today in the fifth Sunday of Lent. 
Today is the fifth Sunday of Lent. It is the last Sunday of Lent before next week. We have Palm and Passion Sunday, and the week after that, we are going to be celebrating Easter. And so, right before we get into Holy Week, right before we get into the celebration of Jesus dying on the cross, we have these readings that are all about risk, all about what we risk, all about what Jesus risked on our behalf. And so we, we start to consider this sense of what it means for us to be Christians and how risk figures into what it means to be a Christian. And for a lot of us, you're in the same place that I am. You're like, I don't want to risk anything. You know, even if Jesus gives me a $20 credit, I still don't want to gamble that. And, and legitimately, that's where a lot of us are at. We're like, thank you very much for uh, the free trip to the resurrection, Jesus. Um, I'm just going to put this in my pocket and wait until you show back up again. And then I am able to, here it is, my get out of the tomb free card. I'm ready to go. Which legit. You can do. That's a part of Jesus' risk for you. That's a part of what he was doing on the cross. He was actually risking that you would take the gift of eternal life and not do anything with it. He knew that that was one of the possible outcomes. It's not necessarily an outcome that he wanted, but he knew that it was one of the possible outcomes. But that's not three cherries for Jesus. That's not Jesus going, oh, jackpot. This person just put that in their pocket and hid it away. We've got plenty of parables about that. Instead, what Jesus wants us to consider is something that's maybe a little bit different, something that's maybe a little bit more uncomfortable, especially for us risk-averse types. Something that really shows up very clearly in the psalm and something that I didn't necessarily even think about in the psalm until I was looking at it this time around. And so in that psalm, you have this very sort of agricultural sense of risk. And maybe it's because I'm I'm kind of removed from agriculture. That's in my family. It's on my mom's side. Uh, Grandpa and grandma were farmers. Uh, My uncle still is. And and, and yet, I I have never, you know, gone out and uh, sowed seeds while crying, which is what the psalm is talking about. Those who go out and sow seeds with their tears. And I've never come back with a bushel of grain and gone, this is great. (laughs) You know, maybe a little bit of that and like a home garden thing, but never something that was really my livelihood. And I started to think about that. I started to think about what that was like for my grandparents and what that's like for my uncle, who right now is dealing with all of that flooding in Nebraska. And uh, what it's like for him to be in the presence of that possibility. Because that possibility is simply that he has invested the seed that he has bought. And he is taking a huge risk that that seed is going to pop up out of the ground. 
And with a flooding season like this year, it's a very real possibility that a lot of his seeds are not going to pop up. And that sense of risk is definitely there. That sense of risk when you're sowing the seeds in the field and not knowing what's going to come up. Which is where I think this doesn't apply to gardening. Because for gardening, for, you know, just a little bit here and there, I'm not investing my entire self into that. I'm not investing my entire livelihood into that. I'm not investing my entire vocation into that. I'm not going to be selling uh, tomatoes at the farmer's market next weekend, God willing. But we do have that sense with our vocations, don't we? With, with the vocations that we actually have, as long as any farmers in here? Okay, as long as you're not farmers. Uh, your vocation, though, you're taking a risk. You're taking a risk if you're a student in here today. You have taken the risk that you've said, by my being here for X amount of years and studying for X amount of hours, I am going to then come back in with sheaves and rejoicing. But right now, you're in that moment of sowing in tears, and you are just hoping and praying that there's going to be something to rejoice for. For those that, of you that are in the workforce, you are spending at least probably eight hours of your day during the week sowing seed. Maybe with tears in your eyes. <laughs> Hoping that the result of your vocation is going to be something that brings you a sense of success, that you're not worthless, a sense of the justification of your existence, a sense of being someone whose work really matters. Or at the very least, a paycheck. So we all know what it's like to risk. Even if we're risk averse. Because we can't get away from it. We can't get away from our vocations always being risks. And that doesn't just apply to the vocations that we do for our jobs. It also applies to the vocations that are our primary vocations, those vocations that are given to us by God as great gifts of family and as, as citizens and as members of his church. That those things, too, are risks for us. That when we say, I'm a father or a brother or a mother or a son or a daughter, that you're taking a risk in just being that for the other people that are in that equation. When you say, I'm a member of a church, you're taking a risk in simply saying, I, I am this. And that's going to mean something for you. And maybe that meaning will change and grow and differ. But there's something there. There's something there even to saying I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen of the United States. There are certain things like taxes that that means that you're willing to risk. You're willing to risk sending in your money 
and hoping that that is going to go to something that is laudable and honorable. And so we all have this sense of what it is like to have this risk. And that risk is exactly what is being talked about in this gospel reading. In this gospel reading where the owner of the vineyard seems to take a risk right off the bat. That he takes this risk by, by going away for a while. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go away. And he must know, uh, you know, who the guys are that he's leaving in charge. And, and he knows, okay, well, they're, they're, I guess there's a possibility. And he goes off. And then when it comes time for the harvest, when it comes time for him to collect the rent, really, he, he sends a servant. And that servant gets beat. Sends another servant. That servant is wounded. Sends his son, finally. And they look at the son and they say something odd. They said, Here, here's the heir. Let us kill him and then we'll get the inheritance. And you go, I, I'm not sure that's a good plan. You know, maybe there's a reason that they're not the owners and they're just working in the fields. But the way that that works out is that they're hoping, legally, that what is going to happen is that they'll kill the owner's son and he won't send anybody more because he will understand that these are bloodthirsty evil people and he's not going to send anybody else and after three years in the law at the time after three years they get the field they they get to establish squatters right and say this is now my homestead this is where my vineyard is and so that's what they're hoping for but the father doesn't do that. The owner doesn't do that. Instead, what he does is he sends in a militia. He gets Soldier of Fortune magazine. He looks at the back of it. He you know, responds to a couple of ads. He finds himself a small army, and he goes in Navy SEAL style, and everybody's mowed down. And interestingly enough, that's not really right where the people who are listening to Jesus' parable are like, surely not. They, they don't say, surely not, when the son dies. Instead, they say, surely not, when the owner gives you the vineyard. I mean, think about the parable, right? The parable is about Jesus' relationship, God's relationship with the people of Israel. He sends prophet after prophet after prophet. He finally sends his son. They take his son out of the city, out of the gates of the vineyard, and they crucify him there. And in that crucifixion, the son dies. The nation of Israel is divorced from God. And those who believe in the resurrected Christ are invited in. And you get the vineyard. And that's the risk that God is taking on you. A risk that in sending his only son, that the vineyard would be taken from those who would mistreat it and would give it to those who would treat it as a precious thing because of the death of the son. 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been given the vineyard. You have been given the sow, the seed to sow. You have been given so much to invest into this world. And yet so many of us, including myself, are so risk averse. That all we do is we put the deed to the vineyard in our pocket and we let the weeds grow up and not another grape comes out of that vineyard ever. But there's hope. Because it's not like we need to invest something that we don't already have. All we have to do is invest what we've got. Maybe we feel like that's not a whole lot. Maybe we feel like, well, I don't know, God. I, I just don't have much. I, I just don't have this sense that I'm, I'm overflowing with something that I've got. And today, by the way, is uh, the celebration of Lutheran Women's Missionary League. Um, and and there, there's this thing that LWML, Lutheran Women's Missionary League, does. It's called the Mite Box. And the mite box is uh, the, this little cardboard box. Apparently it used to be a paper box, um, as I read the LWML website. Um, and it was someplace where you would just put coins, stuff that you have left over. Now, the people at Acorn will hook up to your, uh, hook up to your credit card, and they will automatically take out anything up to a dollar and then invest that for you. LWML hasn't quite gotten there yet. They need to. But it's the same idea that it's just this kind of leftover stuff in your life. And I'm not saying that you should give just your leftovers to Jesus But for some of you, that's where you need to start. Because for some of you, you're not even recognizing the gift that you have in the leftovers. And for some of us, the way that we get to taking those great big risks, the way that we get to taking those seeds and sowing them, is by just doing a little bit of household gardening. And seeing the joy that comes out of investing ourselves. Seeing the joy of seeing what Christ has invested in us when he has said that you are my baptized child. That you are mine and I love you so much that even if you do nothing with your life, I'm still going to bring you into eternity, into a resurrection with my son. And we won't have that many great stories to tell about your life here, but we'll have plenty of great stories to tell about your life in the resurrection. If that's you, that's fine. But just imagine how much more exciting it could be if you took a cent a fraction, a percentage of your life and said, this is a seed. I recognize that this is something that I can go out and I can sow and I can just wait and see what the Lord is going to grow out of it. And maybe that's why this reading comes up before Holy Week. Because Holy Week is one of those opportunities that you have to 
really grasp the gift that Christ has given you in his suffering and his death. So I ask that you would think about maybe at least investing that time, investing those emotions that come along with scary things like Good Friday, with joyful things like Easter, with things that kind of rattle around in your head like Maundy Thursday. Consider those as great gifts given to you and great gifts out of which you can invest into a world that is broken and hurting. And maybe through all of that, we will find ourselves on the other side of this season rejoicing with the sheaves that we bring in. Amen.